Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts, radio, news. Here's the latest. President Biden slapping Russia with a set of 500 fresh sanctions after the death of opposition leader Alexei Navalny. The White House saying some of the sanctions will target those responsible for Navalny's death, with the majority aimed at Putin's so-called war machine. The sanctions landing as the Russia-Ukraine war hits the two-year mark. Joining us now to discuss is Deputy Treasury Secretary Wally Adeyemo. Wally, great to see you in person, sir. Fantastic to have you with us around the table. Let's start with the recent effort. There isn't much that you haven't sanctioned over the last two years. What's new about this and what's the objective? Important to remember that our objective remains the same, going after Russia's military industrialized complex and their ability to earn money to prop up their economy and buy the goods they need to fight the war they want. What we're doing today is we are furthering those actions by going after companies in Russia that are helping to build military equipment. Today, Russia's running a wartime economy. Factories that used to produce goods for Russian civilians now are producing military equipment. We're sanctioning those companies, but we're also going after the companies that supply them in third countries in order to make clear to companies in third countries that you have a choice. You can do business with Russia and their military industrialized complex, or you can do business with the United States and our allies and partners who are joining us in this effort. What's India's answer to that right now? What we've seen from companies in India, but companies around the world, is that when they have a choice between being able to sell things to 50% of the global economy versus selling things to Russia's military industrialized complex, the choice is pretty easy for them. The key thing that we're doing today is we're sanctioning a number of companies you've never heard of that Russia has set up to try and buy things from India and other countries. And by sanctioning those companies, we put them on the radar of companies in India and in countries around the world, and they know that they can no longer do business with them. When you look at the Russian economy, though, the IMF has upgraded their growth forecast for it. Sanctions haven't worked in the sense that the ruble has not been brought to rubble, as President Biden promised. Have sanctions worked, or they've just created new markets? So it's important for us to remember what our objectives are with sanctions. They're to do two things, reduce Russia's revenues and put sand to the gears of the military industrialized complex. Russia's revenues from selling oil, their most important product, down 40% because the price cap and the sanctions that we've put in place and we've promised to do more. Russia's expenses for their military are up 70%. Your viewers, they run companies, they invest. Any company where the expenses are up 70%, revenues are down 40% is not an investable economy. Russia's GDP is up, you're right, because they're spending more, but so is inflation and so are interest rates. And over time, that leads to a formula of a country getting smaller and weaker, not stronger. The price cap, though, it hasn't worked all the time. Russia is using shadow fleets. Very hard to track this. So. There are times when they are just selling carte blanche how much they want. To India and China, India has basically replaced Europe. So they have found a way to go around U.S. sanctions to continue funding their war because Putin funds his war by oil and gas exports. So you're right that Russia is looking for ways to circumvent our sanctions. But the route you mentioned there is one where what the Russians have are two choices. One is sell oil under the price cap for under $60 or to build up their own shadow fleet. But in order to build that shadow fleet, they have to invest in tankers, not tanks. 
Every dollar they spend buying a new tanker, every dollar they spend building up their own ecosystem is a dollar they can't spend on this war of choice in Ukraine, and we're going to continue to force them to make those kind of hard choices. Need to talk about the elephant in the room, $300 billion of Russian reserves. The bulk of that is in Belgium and in France. How close are we to a decision on confiscating those reserves? So it's important to remember that just in December, our leaders set out to have experts talk about what we can do to make sure that Russia doesn't choose when it's going to pay Ukraine for the damages it's done. Over the course of the last several weeks, we sat down with experts across the G7, and we're looking for ways to unlock the economic value of those reserves for the, Rus for the Ukrainian people. We're already seeing Europe take a step, for example, the windfall profits tax, which they're using to take the profits from some of the companies there to move to Ukraine. And over time, we're going to continue working to look for new ways to unlock that economic Can you value. help me understand how that happens when Belgium and France, who aren't in direct conflict with Russia, how do they go about doing that? So the thing that we know is that ultimately what Russia has done is violated international law. Our leaders have made very clear that Russia is not getting back these assets until they pay for reconstruction in Ukraine. Ultimately, Russia needs to end this war, and our goal is to make sure that we can use the assets that Russia has around the world to fundamentally find ways to help. Are you concerned, though, Wally, Ukraine? about undermining the rules-based order that we all sit around this table and claim to support? that ultimately if this sets a precedent that maybe other economies, Western emerging market economies, will look at what's happening in the West and say, I don't want any exposure to that currency anymore at all. Are you think, worried about that? I think it's important for us to remember that ultimately one of the strengths of the coalition we've built is that it represents the world's largest reserve currencies. And what we're committed to doing, if we take an action, is taking it across the G7. Fundamentally, we do think that Russia has a legal obligation to compensate Ukraine for the damage that they've done. We have to remember that Russia is the one who violated that rules-based order by invading Ukraine. And ultimately, every action we will take will be in keeping with international law, will be in keeping with making sure that Ukraine is able to be a functioning democracy. Our goal here is to use sanctions and use our economic tools to slow down Russia. But ultimately, in order to speed up Ukraine, they need money. That's why the president's focus on getting Congress to act. That's why we're thinking about ways that we can use Russian assets, the economic value of Russian's assets to support the Ukrainian people. Because ultimately what we have to do is ensure that Russia learns the important lesson that you can't violate the rules-based order and get away with it. Deputy Secretary, there's one space in the Russian economy that actually, though, has been a little bit safe, and that's the metals market. Why are you not going after nickel and aluminum? I would wait for a few minutes when we announce our sanctions and you'll see that we're going after a number of revenue sources. And what I want to make clear to Russia is that as long as their invasion continues, we're going to continue to go after their revenue sources and also after the military industrialized complex. Well, you can't tease that without telling us. So you're going after nickel and aluminum. I'm not going to preview the exact sanctions that we're doing, but what I will say for that, then, Deputy. The what I will say... The market thinks you're going after I, nickel and aluminum. the market say, right? What I will say is that we are going after the sectors of the economy that help Russia earn revenue. That includes commodities. We know that that includes oil, and we've went after the price cap. And what, I will say, what we've done is we've done it in a targeted way that has accomplished two goals. One is making it harder for Russia to earn revenue while also taking steps to make sure that we protect the rest of the global economy from the repercussions of our actions. And we succeeded at doing that. And you mentioned the price cap, where Russia today is earning less revenue. You don't have to believe me. The Russian deputy prime minister just a few weeks ago complained about the impact the Russian, Russian price cap is having on them. 
Ultimately, our goal is to make that impact greater over time by taking these actions, while also stabilizing markets and making sure that global prices don't rise. In the same breath, Alexander Novak is also talking about the fact that they're able to get an entrance into India. India has basically replaced Europe for them. They're still making a ton of money. And I guess my point is, until the U.S. is willing to take on the repercussions of what it would mean for their economies, should we just expect this war to continue? No, you've got to look at what the Ukrainians have been able to do. Ultimately, two years ago when we were sitting here, Russia thought they would take the Ukrainian capital in days and take the whole country in weeks. Ukraine has demonstrated to us that they have the ability to defeat the Russians, but they need two things. One is what we're doing with sanctions and export controls to slow down the Russians, but they also need money in order to make sure that they have the weapons they need to defend themselves. And that's why it's so critical that Congress act to give them the weapons they need to move forward, because we've seen throughout history, we know how to defeat tyrants, but that requires us to take actions that we're doing with sanctions, yep. but also the actions in terms of providing them with financial resources. Sir, it's good to see you here in New York. I'd love to catch up at some point in the near term, near future, and talk about Nippon Steel as well, and the steel industry in America. We've got a lot to discuss. Well, I look forward to being back. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you, sir. Wally Adeyama there, the U.S. Deputy Treasury Secretary. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.